Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. Now, if you're watching here on YouTube, you're actually getting a sneak peek mm. of the new podcast studio. Look at the plant. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a very raw state. Uh, there's probably a lot to explain, which Tony and I will be doing next week. Not this week. This week is our Mila Milia sort of recount special. Oh God, I cannot wait which was amazing. for that. Uh, it's, an, it's not audio. What well, is audio only? Anyway, you'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to call it that now. So yeah, next week we'll explain everything that's been going on. But yes, you are now seeing, if you're watching on YouTube, the very... Uh, Early the, stage. Yes, the beginnings <laughs> of the new studio. Um, but I, I don't care because we're here to talk about what potentially, well, I'm going to say is or was the greatest race of 2022 so far. Absolutely. Let's see what the rest of the season has I to I thought unfold. you were going to go in and say the best race of the season. I'm like, well, we still have half to I go. Know, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I was like, I don't know how to quite pitch this. But um, it, it genuinely was, I think, yeah, the best race of the year. And we were lucky enough to be there. Oh, it was action-packed. And we saw a hell of a lot of it firsthand through our eyeballs. After Chicken Flag, moving up in the world. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we felt important and we weren't. We were not. We were at the lowest level of the paddock. Um, but yeah, if you've never listened to the show before, maybe you watched the British Grand Prix and then this has popped up on your feed and you're thinking, oh, I'd like to like to hear more about that epic race. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, I am Sam from Seen Through Glass, sitting beside me, co-host, uh, Paul from Supercars of London. And yes, usually we sit down and, and review races that have just been and give our very unofficial but over thoughts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> about the race. We're going to do things slightly differently, I guess, for the British Grand Prix because we were there. You were there the whole weekend. Mm. I was there Friday and Sunday. We had incredible access. We were in the paddock, in the thick of it. It was just, the atmosphere was incredible. The atmosphere was, I think it was more like a rock concert than an actual sporting event. Or more like, I guess, more like a football game. I don't want to go to football. (laughs) The crowd. That's what I mean. Like, oh my God. So we want to kind of, I guess, share our behind the scenes experience because I imagine you've all, well, you watched the race and now maybe read all the stories after the race and watched the, oh my God, the replays of... Joe's huge crash. Mm. Um, so not much point in us dwelling on those things, but we are going to give you our perspective and, and the experiences we had. That sounds like a plan. So do you want to plug your... Br- <laughs> <laughs> do you want to plug who invited you or you don't care? You don't need to plug anything. You can just say you were there. I was, I was there from Friday morning yeah. until Sunday afternoon. Um, That's all you need to say? 
so far, <laughs> I actually think that's all I'm allowed to say. It's very, str- it's very strange at the moment what is going on in my email inbox. I'm sure at some point I will be allowed to elaborate. And there's actually been content on my Instagram talking about the partnership in the lead up to this. And for um, unknown reasons at the moment, I have to keep fairly stumm. Okay, but you were there. So <laughs> I that was, was great. There. In the paddock. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can reveal who I was with. Uh, on Friday, I was there with Pirelli, which was super nice, in their motorhome. And I got their hot laps experience, which I'm going to dive into in two seconds. And then on Sunday, I was there with Alfa Romeo. That is epic. So when the when the Joe crash happened, I was like, Oh, yeah. What? Uh, so I was texting all my contacts, being like, "Is he alive?" <laughs> None of them replied, and that just made us worry even more. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So to kick off with the Friday quickly, um, obviously we had a bit of rain, unexpected rain on the Friday. Oh, for it came down hard and out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. made things very exciting. And I thought, well, this is gonna this is gonna upset the weekend uh, flow because a lot of the talk I think going into the weekend was that this was going to be Mercedes potentially the most competitive weekend of the year. Smooth tarmac, able to run the car, a car incredibly low. Um, it favoured their setup in comparison to some of the street circuits that we've seen when they are bouncing up and down like they're on a trampoline. Exactly. <laughs> and as Hamilton fans, sorry if you're new here, yes, we are. We were excited by that. It was like, this is of course. So we, we wanted to see FP1 and be like, <gasps> what's going to happen about... As an F1 fan, it's a, it's becoming a six, or that weekend was setting up nicely to be a six-car race. This is exactly it. We thought, here we go. It's mm. going to be co-. And then the rain came down. It's like, <laughs> we know nothing. Um, but I was lucky enough to get, yeah, amazing hot lap experience with Nico Hockenberg. Talk to me in advantage. about that. Because I've seen multiple Formula One weekends, and every single time those hot laps look insane, and I've never experienced it. I have been so spoiled to have quite a few passenger rides with F1 drivers over the years. Oh, wow. Every single time, they I, it's like no other experience. <laughs> F1 drivers are insane. Yeah, like, like Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. They just do not have a brain, is my, is my understanding <laughs> of it, especially when you put them in a road car. They're just like, this thing is so slow. <laughs> I'm going to drive just the absolute nuts off it. So, uh, yeah, Vettel, Ocon... I mean, Aitken, I will include because he has yeah. driven Formula One cars. Um, I'm feeling like I'm missing a few people now, but uh, anyway, let's let's skip ahead to Hulkenberg. Um, <laughs> yeah, in a stand advantage, and I got in, and he seemed super bored. <laughs> he, seemed, he was like, oh, "I've been paid to be here. This is the sixth weekend I've been doing this, and I hate my life." That was the impression I got. I like, oh. Well, he is at a Formula One weekend, not driving a Formula One car, which obviously is what he wants to do, what he's continuing to strive to do, and he lost the seat. And one was it one year ago that he was super sub at Silverstone or was it two years ago that he was super I feel like he's, he's super sub at any given opportunity. Any given opportunity. But I think that was one of the races that he'd come back It was 2020, to. 2021. I think he jumped into the car a few times. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, he was depressed. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I've got to try and bring the best out of you here, Nico. And uh, I just said to him, like, can we go sideways? And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we can try. <laughs> uh, and my good Lord. I mean, he did not mess around. We were properly i mean he was so aggressive because i think he was like oh i probably haven't slid it much and i'm going to try and slide it and we were all over the place going through turn two as mm. in the fast left-hander oh, God. we already had a bit of a move on i was like, <laughs> I was like oh my nico don't kill me please <laughs> um but i think i think i bought some humor out of him by the end i was like bloody hell and he was taking the piss and he was going he was going bloody hell uh, bloody hell this is crazy whilst <laughs> <laughs> well, he dip. feels like he's driving in slow motion literally if you watch the footage back 
back, he looks like he's asleep. And I'm just there like, <laughs> I couldn't hold my head up. I was like, oh my God. So it was, it was unbelievable. And actually a pretty good weekend, pretty good way to start the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and feed into it. But uh, that was probably the highlight for Aston Martin at the British Grand Prix. <laughs> Seeing a it's the fastest their cars moved. Oh, <laughs> the rest of the weekend, it was a bit of a disaster for them. Um, but anyway, let's skip ahead to the main show on Sunday because qualifying, yes, was exciting and we, we got some uh, interesting action. But I think Sunday is what I want to talk about. Okay. Because that was, firstly, the, I mean, there's lots to, to discuss, uh, but also the day that we were there together, mm. we had a shared experience. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we watched the race on a television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably worth talking about. Being in the paddock is incredible. Up until the lights go out where you have no view. <laughs> So this is any of so the tarmac. <laughs> I had a couple of people with me who'd never been to an F1 race before. There were other guests of Alfa Romeo. Yeah. So, you know, and they've been to a lot of Formula E. Oh, okay. You go to Formula E as an invited guest, you're basically in the car. <laughs> like your access is, I mean, you just do not get access like that anyway. So they're like, stood on the like, track. <laughs> literally, just waving the checkered flag. So it was like, where do we watch the race from? I'm like, oh, probably the motorhome. They're like, oh yeah, but where can we see the cars? I'm like, no, the motorhome. <laughs> um, so I'll just try, let's try and break this down quickly. Obviously you have levels of access at a Formula One race. You can have general general access, you have grandstand access. Then there's sort of additional hospitality at different races that you might do. But the F1's VIP hospitality is paddock club, mm -hmm. which is usually above the pit lane and if not very near the pit lane and is like a super five-star hotel restaurant experience. First class, if you're traveling on a plane in first class, it's the equivalent of that at a Formula One race. Exactly <laughs> that. So every team has their own like room slash restaurant with beautiful table service, amazing food. Usually the team members come through and do Q and A's. You get some merch sometimes. You get a little patio. We can go out and look over the garage just below you so you can see the pit stop action. You can see the start line. It's an amazing experience, but it's definitely Definitely what's called corporate hospitality. For sure. So a lot of the people there don't know anything about F1. <laughs> They've just been given tickets. They're like, yeah. oh, I'll give it a little day out. And often I would say it's like going to a really nice restaurant and watching the race on TV because it's so rare that you actually go out to the balcony apart from the pit stops to see anything because really you, the race start and then if you want to follow the race, you've got to go and watch it on the TV. So a lot of people are just drinking champagne and eating nice food. So it's very, very nice. But it's often... Uh, marred in controversy because it says paddock club and everyone gets there and they look out the window the other side and they can see the paddock where all the drives are and the TV crews they go wait let's go down there let's go meet Lewis Hamilton and then security go oh no sir sorry your pass does not give you access to the paddock you are in the paddock club so it's quite weird because it's you know there's I think the the cheapest paddock club tickets year round are about £6,000 wow at Miami they were 15000 what yeah because each USD must be. must be USD, yeah. but I think each track can up and down. Okay. I think Mo Monaco is a bit more expensive, but Sounds traditionally right. it's around, it's around <laughs> six grand. Seb's charging. <laughs> Seb's dad's running there. Um, <laughs> but you can't actually access the paddock, so that, you know, a little bit controversial. Then you have paddock passes, which are usually uh, team invites or uh, F1 invites. The, the paddock passes traditionally have been kind of the harder or the more gold dust access to get because you are in the thick of it. And usually the only way to go in there is motorhomes and to be yeah. invited into a motorhome, you've got to be with a team or a big sponsor of the team, et cetera, et cetera. So the ultimate dream combination <laughs> is paddock 
and paddock club <laughs> which i've only i think i've got like twice in my life and i mean I'm, this sounds so out of the t- out of touch but like those di- like those weekends vividly in my mind is like oh my god <laughs> basically go anywhere except the grid yeah the grid yeah. is the upper the, the grid walk the is above echelon. paddock yeah <laughs> paddock and then grid, you get a little green sticker which means you can go in the grid so anyway the reason we're telling you all of this is because for this weekend we both had just paddock mm. Which means, as we were saying before, as I was always saying before, you actually can't see the track because you're, you can't get access to Paddock Club to go and look out over the start line and over the over the pit garages. You're just in the paddock with no visible view of the track. So you have to resort to watching on TV, either in the motorhomes or as we did mm. at the press pen. Which was great fun, but also... Have you got blo- blocked quite a lot? <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure, again, if you watched it on TV, you'll know when drivers crash out or retire from the race, or at the end of the session, they'll all go to a big old pen where all the TV crews, the international media, will stand around and wait to get sound bites and interview them. And nowadays, they stand in front of a big TV screen. And so we actually found a way that if we stood by that TV screen, we could also leave the paddock, run up to a hill and see the final corner. Yeah. So we did see some some on-track action. Yeah. And we thought, this is where we'll base ourselves. And if things are getting spicy, we'll run up there. We basically stayed by the TV for nine, <laughs> 90% of the time. But you're right. There was crews always. We didn't, we, you know, we're just, we're punters. So we're standing behind <laughs> the crews. And at one point, we say, your manager, your manager, yeah, your yeah. manager just goes up and goes, excuse me, mate, can you move? I'm trying to watch the TV. <laughs> I was like, it's I was like, like dude, they're working. Yeah. Like, that's their job to stand there and interview drivers and you've told them to get out of the way. <laughs> so, that we, so that we could watch it. So that we could watch it on the TV. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was a good, good place to watch though, wasn't it? It was, it was epic because we could see what was going on on the TV. There's obviously a slight delay with the TV, which actually gives us about five seconds more time to scan our passes out, run up the stairs, which by the way, my watch was loving, and uh, then see the action as they were coming through the final few corners and we did get to see some really close wheel-to-wheel action with our eyes on track and then we'd run back down and watch it on the tv yeah. <laughs> to see what so happened further around the track not quite as glamorous if you're sitting there going damn you guys what amazing actors we were doing the same as you at home just watching on tv i actually walked 35 kilometers over the three days up and down the paddock basically that's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> i guess to and from the paddock right Cause also the- from because the traffic was so bad so leaving bad. where the wing is at silverson where they've built it is actually like the furthest point so when you're walking or driving through uh to get out of the main gate there was just traffic because it's one road in one road out and so we eventually uh walked every single day which was about 35 minutes from the wing back to the main gate but yeah that's i should have done that because it took me two and a half hours to get from the paddock to my car at the end of the race i have heard from f1 teams (sighs) they've said that silverstone in terms of logistically getting in and out of uh, the paddock is the worst out of the whole season. Wow. Yeah, that was that was pretty classic breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Complaining about the traffic. Um, but yeah, so it was it was a great spot because we were also, you know, we were in there. We we had Natalie Pinkham, we had Ted Kravitz, we had the Sky Italia, we had, you know, sp- Spanish reporters right in front of us. We so we we were sort of in the mix of recognizable faces and as the race then progressed, mm. we had George Russell coming for his sound bites and yeah. then kneeling down and watching the restart with yeah. all of us. And you know, so you, you got to it was a fun place to Oh, for sure. Be and on top of that, it was where they were bringing all of the 
crashed cars. We saw all of the cars on flatbeds, which I think was fed into a lot of the coverage. So where you saw them being unloaded in the paddock, that's where we were. We were yeah. still standing right there and smelling. Did you see and, us? Yeah, <laughs> we were there waving. <laughs> um, so I guess let's kind of do it as a play by play. We've got to start off with with <clears throat> lap one of start one mm-hmm. and Joe's big crash. Yeah. Which I think, you know, we've all overanalyzed. I'm sure you've all overanalyzed. Terrifying. Mm. When we first saw it, we were kind of a bit confused by the minute because I think we were watching Hamilton on his mighty rise to third. Yeah. Like, come on. And I just saw a car in the back of the shot and I was like, that's upside down. That car's Skipped definitely across. upside down. Then we get the red flag and is now, I think, appropriate tradition in Formula One. They don't show anything mm. until they know people are safe. But we were super confused because we were like, who is in that crash? Yeah. I think they showed Russell, him jumping out and running off. It looked like, we were like, where are you off to, mate? <laughs> and we were like, oh, okay, no, it's Albon, it's Albon. And then we saw Albon's car. Mm, then we he saw was, uh, Sonoda's car. Sonoda drive off. So it, it, it was a while that we were like, why is, what's going on? And then you were the one that clocked, oh, hold on a sec, where's Joe? Like, where's Joe? We haven't seen yeah. him. So at that point we realized, oh, so when someone was upside down mm. and all the cars we'd seen were on the right way up. Yeah. So um, we very quickly realized that, that maybe there was something pretty horrific going on. Um, and whispers were kind of spreading, I think at the paddock at that point. Yeah. And it was just that kind of sinking moment of, well, he was upside down last time we saw him. Going Where very fast. Yeah, yeah. Going very fast. Yeah. And actually when we found out what eventually happened, I mean, I don't think any of us could have imagined that that's actually the scenes that took place. No, not at all. We waited 10 10 minutes that felt more like half an hour before we even got any news. Um, and it was actually your phone that had signal um, that you were able to access TikTok to suggest that the car had gone over the tire wall and they were trying to figure out what, what the hell had gone on. So it was a long time before we saw any replays and we only saw replays on the main TV once I think Joe had been confirmed okay, conscious and out of the car. And you would think, you know, in the paddock that we might be able to pick up on chats. Or women. I mean, I was there with Alfa Romeo. So I was yeah. texting my contact, but like, is he all right? Like what's mm. going on? No reply from them, obviously, uh, at the time. And then standing there with pit lane reporters and journalists, I kind of thought they'd be chatting about it, but, but no one had a clue. No one mm. knew nothing. So even my sister who was watching was texting me like, what's going on? I said, we, we can't see anything. We can't really get on our phones. No one here seems to have a clue. So it was quite a terrifying and nerve-wracking moments. It was really scary. All the emotions that I guess you were all experiencing on TV and a lot of people in the crowd were obviously experiencing who'd seen it or or, or knew what was going on. Um, And of course, at that point, we didn't know Russell had run off to go and help. He just leapt out of the car. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was was a shocking and terrifying moment. I think the only indicator that we had was that Russell had left the Alfa Romeo. As in like, we'd seen him run over to the crash site and we'd also seen him leave, as in... Get back to his car. He'd, he'd yeah. had confirmation. Joe was okay in some form, obviously trapped in the car, but therefore he he went uh, uh, and sort of removed himself from the situation. It was almost that confirmation. We think he's okay. That, that was it. I think we, we all said, okay, well, if George's gone back to his car yeah. and he doesn't look like he's flapping, mm. then we're assuming things are going to be all right. But the bad thing was... I mean, it was like three hours before I was chatting with Joe, like in the yeah. Alfa Romeo hospitality. I'd, I'd met him at Goodwill. Actually, weirdly enough, uh, he trains at 
the old studio. So I met him numerous <laughs> times before, but we'd been at Festival of Speed uh, together the week before, and then we were catching testing up. Testing your reaction times, if Test, I remember seeing the video. Reaction times, exactly. <laughs> which was terrible. Oh, which was disastrous. <laughs> And it was it was it was quite a mad realization mm. that it was the same guy who literally I mean how I mean he escaped death I mean yeah. pre Halo that's a dead guy I mean pre Halo that is a dead guy because the roll hoop completely failed the violence in which the car flipped smashed that roll hoop the and car that's was right on his as, head as, the car was as flat as this table in front of us yeah. if you remove the legs and um, I was going to say something else I've completely forgotten about it well as he would have dug into the gravel have you seen the video. Which one? They've gone and looked at the tarmac yes. and the damage of the tarmac. It's over a centimetre dug. The tarmac has just been stripped away. A centimetre. Yeah. So terrifying. Without Halo, he's 100% dead. Yeah. I think also we have to be so grateful that there was no fire. Mm. If there was fire it's again. How much fluid would be? That car oh would have been at its heaviest point with all of the fuel on terrifying mm. but luckily and it shows how does the fence survive well i mean i guess that's what catch fencing is all about right like the the whole thing was it, it it is such a a massive round of applause for f1 and their push and the fia's push for safety mm. uh, that we're seeing accidents like grosjean's like joe's that drivers are walking away from and people mm. are walking away from because even if you actually look at some of the fan footage yeah how how close the fans yeah. were to all of that and the fact that no debris yeah, the, ended up yeah. causing any injury to, to fans or marshals or anything. So yeah, absolutely amazing. And also testament to properly built circuits, mm. not to have a go at any kind of um, a street circuits or anything like that. It, it, it really does show that proper infrastructure, permanent circuits have got everything in place to try and try and, you know, help if these accidents happen. But Actually, there'll be some people who will say, well, without the gravel, without like, mm. anyway, but um, that wasn't the only shocking moment, of course. Uh, we also had the protesters, which personally, I don't want to talk about too much. No. Because I think, as a lot of people said, everyone has the right to protest and we probably have to applaud what they are actually trying to raise awareness for, but they not only put their, not lives in danger, like they literally tried to die, mm. but but also therefore putting Marshall's lives in danger, yeah. Formula One drivers in danger. Like the whole thing was too reckless. And I yeah. know I've seen some interviews where saying, well, they've they've done what they wanted to achieve. They're getting publicity. Um, but that publicity could have been so horrifically wrong if that was five dead people. For sure. So um, that's that's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, that's absolutely, I think you've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. Moving on. So we then had the question over whether George would be allowed to re-enter the race or not. And I, from my side, I don't know the rules well enough, but I kind of thought, well, he's got out of the car. Yeah. I'm not sure he's allowed to get back in. Yeah. Um, we saw the Mercedes arriving back in the paddock, didn't we? And, and like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. She was about the Mercedes versus yeah. the Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Go both on. of these cars have come in on separate low loaders. They've been hauled off the track as quickly as possible. And um, was it the Williams that came in first? I think the Williams came in I first. Think you're right, yeah. And it comes in and everyone's looking to see the damage, trying to work out whether that's fixable. We all turn into these professional mechanics to be like, oh yeah, that strut looks broken. Like, as if we knew what we were doing. Yeah. And the car sits there. No one from Williams comes for 10, 15 minutes. Longer, for sure. One guy turned up to take photos. Uh, in this time, the Mercedes had also come in with almost like a trail 
of an entire pit crew following the low loader in, all in Mercedes gear, all of the, um, well, Russell's en- uh, engineers and, and pit crew had come to collect the car, but they were almost waiting for the car's arrival. And this Williams car just looked like it was deserted, as if everyone had forgotten about it in the team. And um, it took forever for anyone to come and recover the car from the Williams team as if they had something else to do. I think they were just all supporting Latifi. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was this, as you said, this mad scene where clearly Merck were like, right, we've got to try and fix this car. Like even at that point, they didn't even know if Russell was going to be allowed to re-enter, but it was like, they were there immediately. Mm. The minute the car was back, they were taking it off. They're putting it on rollers. Like, come on lads. Like all of them pushed the car. The car was gone. Two seconds back to the garage, back to be worked on. (laughs) You're right. This Williams car. It's like tumbleweed. And and literally the, the, the low loader drivers were like, Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, didn't know, they, didn't, they didn't know what to do with and it. Like, At one point, we were, I was going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, like 20 minutes later, it was like they were kind of lost. These kind of really <laughs> out of breath. Oh, 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 here it is, lads. All right, okay. Um, oh, what should we do with it now? <laughs> it, it sounds comedic, but it really was. It, it really, and it, I guess it shows the difference in, in money and mentality. I was going to say, it does highlight the, the budget differences. In- 100%. And that kind of mentality of Merck were like, we can rebuild, rebuild mm. this car. Because there's a chance George can get back out there, yeah, and he can get points. Where with Albon, I think Williams like we don't have the spare parts, <laughs> <laughs> and even if we do, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So yeah. um, anyway, so that that was uh, that was kind of mad and and a a pretty shocking first hour of the Grand Prix that we didn't expect. Um, but eventually we got the start, the hint that we were restarting. A bit of confusion over the starting order, mm. um, but but we were ready and and, and often ready to go again. And I think it felt like we were sort of almost in a slightly, we we talked about it recently, the um, repetitive nature of, right, here we go, Ferrari out front, but Verstappen's just waiting and he's going to get the move done. The talk throughout the paddock, whoever I was talking to, regardless of the qualifying order, we all were talking as though Ferrari at some point were going to sabotage their entire race one way or another. Funny you should say that, Paul. <laughs> and whilst, yes, there, uh, there were obviously talks throughout as we get further on in the race, uh, what happened. Um, Signs, on the other hand, on the second restart Whoa. had almost got uh, a rocket up his bottom from head honcho at Ferrari to say, no, no, no turn two, you are going to lead the race. Turn three, you are going to lead the race. And he got his elbows out and it was so good to see the Red Bulls harassing signs. And he was just fending them off left, right and centre. It was as if he had like rockets coming out of his wheels to just stop the Red Bulls from coming anywhere near him. And it was so exciting because the speed of sector one at Silverstone up until that really sharp right and then almost like a U left was, I was so exciting to watch. It was brilliant because I think, yeah, first time round he got caught out by Max. He had a crap start it was like, oh, well, that's, that's, that's the race over. <laughs> and we were joking going into it. I was like, if Verstappen's in the lead by the end of lap one, he's gone. Yeah. Like, he's absolutely gone. Like that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. The, go the home incident off. at the start of the first start actually saved it so that we could have the restart and get a much more exciting race. Because had Verstappen just cruised on through past signs and the crash not had happened, then we probably would have been in for quite a dull race. Potentially, because I think, you know, he looked like he had a pace advantage and, and was ready, even on the second restart, whilst you write science. I mean, there'll be numerous ways that we can talk about how science really went out and won this mm. country. He did not inherit it. And there were plenty of times where second drivers, yes, I did just call Carlos oh. the second driver. Uh, in, in 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast. Code acast. Here at victories, but he he went out and he won this race. Um, but yeah, definitely in that beginning sort of stint, it looked like Max was just waiting to to, to have him. Mm. And I think when Max, when Carlos made the mistake, we were all like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, come on, Carlos, slightly predictable, but yeah. you were doing so well. <laughs> and there was a bit of a sort of deflated feeling, I think, at least within the sort of, you know, a British supporters, because let me just say <laughs> this right now, and we're going to talk about, talk about it fully. Oh, it was a biased crowd. I mean, sometimes oh, oh, yes. you, you will give us a hard time for being biased towards Lewis Hamilton and British drivers. Don't come to the British Grand Prix <laughs> if you feel that way. I know we have international listeners, but a lot of British listeners that love Max Verstappen and other drivers, and they say they don't like it when we side with the goat. Uh, <laughs> but by God, it was clear who the British fans were supporting oh my God. and who they did not like. So when yeah. Verstappen went through in science and made that mistake, everyone was like, Oh, come <laughs> on. So the reaction when Verstappen lost pace. Yeah. Obviously, we now know because of the sort of stalling of his floor, that, that debris that got stuck in his floor, the place erupted. Mm. Like, as I say, yeah. give me a good popular culture reference. If it was Justin Bieber and and Ludacris came out for that collab. Exactly. It's, it's exactly like that. I was going to go down the sports route, but if you're going to a concert and you're going to see, let's take Ed Sheeran at the weekend, for example. Please. Ed Sheeran performing. All of a sudden, surprise guest, Stormzy comes out. Ah! Pandemonium. That, it was that kind of a pop. Yeah. Because everyone at that point had kind of settled down a little. It was a bit like, oh, okay. And then out of nowhere, you just, and we heard it over the tannoy, over the mm. public announcer system, before you saw it, of, yeah. wait, Verstappen looks slow. Yeah. And the crowd just went, ah! <laughs> it was unbelievable yeah. from a moment of atmosphere and excitement it was an incredible incredible and by moment. this point we were actually in the crowd watching it with the track in front of us rather than on the tv so it was actually like a perfect moment to be there perfect moment <laughs> i was running around my top off <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and from that point on i think we just had the most incredible race ahead of us yeah so verstappen comes into the into the pits thinking he had a slow puncture or whatever problem he had and he was kind of out of it and the crowd was going wild the crowd was going nuts and then we had what felt like like for the last seven years, a classic Lewis Hamilton 
hunt. Yeah. It was hammer time all over again. <laughs> something we haven't seen all year. Yeah. That, you know, everyone, and even ourselves at times, have been quick to be like, oh, Lewis is struggling this yeah. year. Georgie Russell's got Lewis pinned down. Like Silverstone so. brings out a different a different side to him, and I don't really want to um, go into too much detail making this all about the Lewis Hamilton show. We can't, because we, can't, um, we do every but week. But Silverstone, it does bring this, this beast, this demon out in Lewis that we saw all through practice, all yep. through qualifying too he was constantly faster there were moments obviously when either the track dried and george put in a lap but then you could always back lewis to he had the upper hand didn't yeah he? All, all weekend i think you know and, and he, he, was loves de- it he was determined to take yeah. a step forward and to prove a point and you know a lot of people asking it was same schumacher era for me one thing that i really used to love about watching him it it's that gradual hunt mm. you know and and hey look we've seen plenty of Vettel Verstappen all these people but there's something which I love as a as a fan of watching a driver that you you support or want to support slowly reeling someone in yeah because it's you just see them coming and it, that was, mm. he was just coming the inevitability coming, coming. yeah yeah of a just, wheel to wheel track action it's not a second and a half per lap we're like oh this is inevitable mm. it was over 10 or 15 laps he was just taking a couple of tents every and, and that's because it builds this anticipation and this yeah. excitement whereas if someone's coming at over a second a lap you're like it's an inevitable yeah thing but no he was just closing it and then you've got science and leclerc having this war of words and this fight and Ferrari's tactics again being very <laughs> questionable um, but science is refusing to get out of the way well, you know he won that race yeah. by by sticking true uh, for as long as he did and um, but it was it was thrilling to watch now if you are not a Hamilton a Ferrari fan if you are a pure Verstappen fan maybe it wasn't thrilling maybe you were sitting there like oh whatever who cares yeah. but I think if you were either a red Ferrari fan or a Hamilton fan it was exhilarating because it was just this whole <gasps> Hey, even if What's you're a Red happen? Bull fan, like there was one of the greatest comebacks in in Perez. Oh in my the, god! The speed in which he caught the pack from his um, early pit stop and um, making his way back through the field, and then obviously net positions with the pits, everything that was going on. That comeback in itself, like again going back to just having a Mercedes in the fight, making it more than just a Ferrari versus a Red Bull. And I saw a tweet that was saying, "How good is Formula One?" having Lewis in the fight, in the mix. And I don't think it's necessarily Lewis in particular. Obviously, it's excitement because he's such a huge name within Formula One. But whether that was Lewis or Russell, having a Mercedes, a Ferrari and a Red Bull all fighting for the win just makes the race weekend that much more spectacular. Well, at the restart, the final restart, when oh. we had McLaren, Alpine, Mercedes, Ferrari, Red yeah. Bull, all jostling for the final podium positions, it was absolute mayhem. And, and what we hoped this entire season and these reg- regulation changes would provide, it was obviously slightly superficial because of the safety car, but who cares? It mm. was brilliant to see. Um, but yeah, you're right. We were standing up on the hill at this point watching the live action rather than the TV and we were focused on Lewis hunting down these Ferraris and a few other bits and then every now and again by the time we'd watch them we turned around and be like holy crap there's Perez yeah. like, and you kept saying like oh my god like, <laughs> how, how close is he getting yeah. and he was really on a march old Sergio and, and good and good to see and using the, the, the you're unleashing the potential of that Red Bull and, and I think testament or, or, or proves our theory that if everything had run smoothly Verstappen would have just romped away with For it sure. um, but that's that's what we're seeing this year is that Ferrari, for whatever reason, tactics or reliability are throwing away their championship challenge. But so are Red Bull mm-hmm. at times through reliability or whatever. So there's no guarantees. It's back to like the 90s, you yeah. know, where you, just because you've got the quickest car doesn't mean you're going to be winning or picking up all the biggest points. So 
Yeah, so we had that first sort of big stint with Lewis chasing, chasing, chasing. And on that pace, it felt like he was on for the win. It felt like, okay, we couldn't quite, we were like, oh, this feels a bit too good to be true. Yeah. Like he genuinely seems to be faster than the Ferraris. He's hunting them down. Like it's a battle. Then we have to change the tires. And it was like, oh, what's the play here? Mm. Cause Lewis is just staying out. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it all sort of came through to fruition and we're like, okay, he's going for that longer play. He's going to be on the fresh tires. And he did start closing them in again. And we're yeah. like, oh, this is going to be on. He's going to go for the overtake on track for the victory. And we started being like, this place is going to erupt. <laughs> if Lewis Hamilton wins, wins the British Grand Prix, this is going to be, we're like, what party right. are we going yeah, to? Yeah. What after party yeah. are we going to? I was texting Vicky, be like, babe, I'm not coming home. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is about to win. Um, so yeah, it, there was a moment there where we were all like, what this if, is what insane. If. Yeah, what if? Um, but we then get this dramatic final safety car. And I think again, well, it's the moment of, why haven't they pitted Leclerc? Mm. Bloody Ferrari. And I think you sent a few things over and, and our theory at the time, oh, we well, couldn't double stack them. Blah, blah, blah. But my whole thing was they have literally chosen to give the preferential treatment to Sainz. Mm. That's what they've done. It's not like a adverse strategy. And I think Bernard has come out saying, oh, we've done the same thing that Hamilton did at Abu Dhabi. That was their choice was right. We're going to put Sainz on the more aggressive strategy. He qualified on pole arguably um wasn't as fast as leclerc during the race it was a difficult decision if ferrari only were able to pick one driver it was an incredibly difficult decision and i think that they probably would have got flack regardless of which way around they wanted to do it whether they wanted to put leclerc and make him win it would have made more sense from a world championship point of view but also um maybe this confidence that science has now that he's got this first win under his belt they're thinking the long play of being like look we've got science over the next two years if we were to drop him back and almost do a, a drive number one is leclerc and your number two therefore your sacrifice so leclerc can win what does that do to science's mentality what does that do to his um confidence for the rest of the season to be on oh, just the ferrari number two i've had a rubbish season i've been unlucky i've made a few mistakes like this is just going downhill they've given him not they've given him this win mm. but in that sense of actually we're going to pit you what are we going to see are we going to see a new beast from science now that he's almost like chalked off and ticked that box of first race win let's go and get some more but i see that as only a negative for ferrari have always had a number one and a number two driver throughout their entire history for the uh, effective or previously effective reason of solely focus on one driver winning that championship. And what well, how's, they, how's that played out for them? It's not great. <laughs> what they've done here is, so yeah, you're right. Okay, whatever maybe prior decisions of whoever's leading into turn one, all that sort of stuff, or okay, our safer bet is Leclerc's on younger tyres. We'll bring Sainz in. If Hamilton keeps going, Sainz is going to be on the fresher tyres. He can jump like, okay, so maybe that was their thinking. But they're letting Leclerc, who's their closest championship contender, with Verstappen back in seventh or eighth, be at risk of moving down the pack as he did and ending up off the podium. Whereas Sainz, if he'd ended up further down the pack, what's the big deal? Because he's way off anyway. He was sixth in the championship or something like that going into that race. Mm. So in my mind, the way I read it is, as a team, you've picked the wrong driver for the championship. This was an opportunity for Leclerc to get maximum points against Verstappen. For sure, that, yeah. It's not a race victory. It's, it's a points over a championship type thing. Yeah. And 
if you're pessimistic, you go, right, we pick Leclerc and no one else stops. He's still coming out in third with fresh tires. With fresh tires. Yeah. Like, like it, against a Mercedes, okay, which has been closing in on you, but you've got 10. Like, it's just a disastrous championship decision in my mind, mm. especially when over the last four races, you've had, you've had uh, retirements, you've had other strategic blunders. They need to be focusing on Leclerc. Yeah. I'm sorry, science, like you blew it already. It's too late. Yeah, it's yeah. too late. We're however many races we're, we're into the season. You had your moment. Now with the way that things are turning out, Ferrari have to take these moments to just go, because what have we got now? Oh, science is now fifth in the championship. <laughs> it's now a hundred points off rather than 112. Like it's so what? Like you've yeah, done yeah. nothing for yourself. You've just lost points where, yeah. So that, that was my opinion. And, and I think as Leclerc, what over the last six races, four of them, he could have won, mm. was in a position to win, and through either retirements or strategic blunders, he's not he's not been able to, mm. and that is critical yeah. in the championship year. That's critical. Mm. Are we going to be talking about this section of the championship at the end of the championship as Verstappen romps to another world championship very easily, potentially? I mean, but we've point. seen how the championship can swing. And I don't think Red Bull have completely nailed their car to be able to reliably get to the end of the race, both of them. So, And if it can be that affected by a little bit of debris on the floor, mm, I mean, yeah. Shows how highly strong that car is. Long way to go for sure. And it can't tip and turn, but it will only tip and turn. Twiggy. Sorry. <laughs> Twiggy had an operation this week and she's not allowed to lick her wounds and she's looking very wound licking. Um, <laughs> as we've seen, the only way for it to swap around is if at the time when your championship rival is having an issue, you take maximum points. And that's what Verstappen's done. When Leclerc has had these blunders, he's been there mm. sweeping in getting maximum points and if not it's Perez mm. but no Ferrari just go cool yeah. see you later we'll just fucking allow this all to go to hell <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was frustrating to see but it it also gave us well Perez his opportunity to steal second which was amazing but this incredible battle the Science Leclerc Perez Hamilton and Alonso mm. sniffing around yeah, yeah, their yeah. heels was possibly yeah, some of the most exciting For fighting. Sure. And probably, I'm going to, this is punchy. <laughs> I'm going to say three of the best wheel-to-wheel combat yeah. drivers that yeah. we've got in the field at the yeah. moment. Of course, there are others. But Leclerc, Perez, Hamilton, for close, precise wheel-to-wheel racing, I don't think it gets much better. Yeah. And I know Lewis was a bit punchy coming out being like, see, you can go into cops two cars wide. I've seen a replay. Lewis, you were yeah. about three foot wider last year, mate. So I'm not quite sure you can claim that. Um, but yeah, that, that, those dicing, especially Hamilton yeah, Leclerc, yeah. but also it was unbelievable. Yeah, wasn't it, was, it? it was, it was epic to watch regardless of whether we were watching on a TV or it doesn't matter. I've seen the replay so many times. And also I still get goosebumps on, on Crofty's commentary as well, because it's just like, as everything is happening, it's, it's just the combination of the audio whilst you're watching it. And to, to, I kind of came out of that going, oh my God, like I have been massively underrating Silverstone as a track. When you actually consider that against other tracks and what they can provide, Silverstone is unbelievable. When you get a good British Grand Prix, you're so right. Yeah. And I think actually, 
again, talking about purpose-built permanent circuits, this showcased the 2022 regs the best yeah. in terms of that close racing. For sure. Because those last 10 laps, they were all able to follow each other for oh. the entire time. Mick Schumacher and oh, Verstappen. We're going to come on to that because I'm going to hyperventilate. <laughs> but we, you know, they were genuinely able to dice for 10 laps, yeah. six cars for 10 laps. Mm. We were able to absolutely chop and change. And, and the pop of when Hamilton did that double overtake, which unfortunately he wasn't able to stick, but he did that double overtake. The pop in the entire circuit was mm. unbelievable. 150 mm. odd thousand people went mental. And can I just say, for those of you that are like, you guys are biased, every single person in the interview pen, uh-huh. I mean, Natalie Pinkham was jumping. Yeah, People lost their minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no matter, I think, whether you are a Hamilton fan or not, to see him... Yeah. do something it, it, it was just a moment of pure like yeah yeah it was it was it was magic and uh, i think you could see it coming there wasn't enough space going through those corners and and lewis went for that gap and that shows to me that he 100 percent believes he can not just keep up with the the youngsters in faster cars i think he still believes he can win a world championship the fact that he was jumping into that gap and and almost like risking it all to just get p2 he knew he was never going to catch sides but um there was some moments earlier on in the race where you saw him be quite conservative, where he backed off and nearly lost the place to Alonso on the second restart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh God, like he's going so conservative to just try and get these points, pick up as much as he can, whether it's P4, P6, P8, whatever. Um, but then at that moment, you just saw this hunger yeah. going through a gap that could have easily disappeared in a heartbeat. Well, I think it was respect. I think he and Perez have had such epic jewels yeah. over the last few years and and Perez in that Red Bull just the ultimate defensive driver but I think he he just he just knew the situation and mm. you're right I think I disagree about the restart I think he was just I think that car didn't fire into action as quickly as the other two I think he was not being conservative I think he was just at the oh, no, risk of being it, done yeah. by Alonso I think I, 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 I think Hamilton's fire that whole race was on mm, another level whether yeah. we're going to see it again this year I don't know unless he's genuinely in the hunt for mm. a victory I think that was pure I'm not coming to Silverstone yeah, yeah, and having the races yeah. that I've had this year but then to just jump on the Max Verstappen bashing wagon. Sorry, guys. Come at me. I don't care. You do it every time. You slate us in the comments. It's fine. I'm just, this is my opinion. It might be wrong in your mind. It's what it is. We saw the Schumacher Verstappen fight mm. on the last lap. Go on, Mick. Out of nowhere, yeah. Mick Schumacher. Again, having a dodgy ass season. He found some confidence, my God. Mm. Going for the lunges on Max Verstappen on the final lap. But, and I've seen a couple of people tweet this, probably other Hamilton fans, um, <laughs> talking about that it was a bit of Verstappen 2021 that we saw because this year he hasn't needed to. We've spoken about this quite a bit on After the Second Flag. He hasn't needed to. And also Leclerc drives in a way that Verstappen hasn't had the same aggression outwardly that we saw him with Hamilton last year. And I think a lot of people said, well, was it Hamilton's fault? And maybe we've talked about that yeah, as well. Yeah. Maybe they inspired each other to be that aggressive. Um, but the way he chopped (laughs) Schumacher into that final corner, which is what maybe Perez and Leclerc could have done, but there was such a pace disadvantage between Hamilton, Leclerc and Perez that they weren't really in a position. But Verstappen, and he's outwardly come out and said, I literally turned into the corner and made Mick choose what to do. And I've seen a few people quote this going, this isn't how racing should be. Mm. It's not like, right, well, I'm driving across the corner and you back out. If you want to crash, crash. 
and he Verstappen knew from uh, a presence a stature uh, and also a Haas getting points Mick was going to back out like yeah. Mick's not going to have a crash but it's just not the way to go. It's a, f- a very effective way for Verstappen to go racing. Mm. He held the position. Yeah. He won a championship. Oh, sorry. I've really <laughs> have got you myself seen in trouble there. How many drivers, especially this weekend, have called Lewis an eight time world champion? Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of them. That's <laughs> not, you know. Maybe Max does as well. Anyway, that's the, con- <laughs> that's the controversy. Um, but yeah, it, it was a race that inspired incredible drives left, right, and center unbelievable action we've talked about the race even though we were supposed to be talking yeah. about our behind the scenes well, experience it was a good we race. get too excited the race was so good so good um but yeah it just incredible atmosphere beautiful weather just it was fantastic perfect day out and we now go to austria <laughs> <laughs> which you know i think might be what Max keeping was our fingers too. crossed oh you never know yeah um but it'd be great to hear your thoughts comments below i know a lot of you will be very upset with how much we've spoken about Hamilton, uh, how much we've slated Do you know Max, what I want but... to talk about? Because you know, in the last episode, we talked about how Red Bull potentially, Conspiracy Corner, oh, love it. aren't doing all of the nuts and bolts up properly on Perez's car. Do you know, just like knocking, yeah. knocking back a few steps. Hey, you're too competitive too against our golden child. Um, now they need him to be competitive. He, all weekend, because I saw... Lucky enough in the paddock, which is where the drivers mill around, the amount of times that I saw all 20 drivers milling around, having chats, walking with their F1 team personnel, taking photos with people. Um, it's just the, the coolest environment ever. Um, out of all of the drivers that I saw, Perez was 100% the most miserable all the oh, time. Oh, really? All weekend. Until... Oh, that's interesting. He came back into the um, podium area yeah. and, and was and smiling. So uh, so maybe he was feeling mm. a bit hard done by. It was it was it was it was noticeable that he was miserable. How uninterested he was talking to fans, talking to the Red Bull people, walking from his motorhome. And I don't know, maybe he's just like a, an emotionless guy, but I sure. kind of just don't really get that vibe no, from him. I wouldn't have thought so. I thought it would be a happy chappy. Yeah. So maybe you've picked up on something. Mm. Well, if you're going to the paddock in the future races, yeah, yeah, have a watch. Maybe maybe Perez has been furious at Red Bull. But maybe maybe photocopy your uh, VIP access so that you can give me one. I can zoom in on my lens <laughs> and get those get those shots Paul of Perez. Around, like such a creepy p- paparazzi with this like real intense zoom lens, which worked wonders for you, but it was real creepy. Um, hey, there was a lot of camera media guys in there that had bigger cameras than me and bigger lenses. Like, yeah. God, some guys, I was like, you need a crane to carry that lens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone always gives us a hard time for not talking about other drivers apart from the top drivers. Got to give a shout out to Latifi. Yeah. You know, we, we always give him crap. That was a weekend. He genuinely performed well, outperformed Albon. Mm. Good on you, Latifi. Let's hope that wasn't your last race. Uh, <laughs> Alonso getting more and more just punches the race yeah. go on his knee. He's just there or there. At one point, I did think he was going to throw qualifying because he qualified quite well and I just assumed he was going to put a red flag out. Just for the bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> classic Alonso tactics. <laughs> he continues to be dick dastardly, but he was there or thereabouts. Yeah. Pretty quiet and uninspiring weekend for Danny Rick. Ah, uh, yeah. It yeah. was, it was, um, he felt like he was smiling through the pain. Smiling through the pain. And apart from that, any standouts? I mean, Mick Schumacher, as I say. Yeah, Mick, oh. Mick Schumacher. I mean, Hass in general, because obviously we talked to last podcast about how they either have a good qualifying or look like they're relatively competitive to get points, but don't this weekend. Double points. Double points. Yeah. Go on, K-Mag Hass. smashing it. Jumped up. I think they're now seventh in the championship. 
or eighth, eighth in the championship. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine if they have a few more weekends yeah. like that, they will start jumping because Aston Martin. They can get Alpha. They're, they're a couple of points behind Alpha. So well, especially after um, Jean Bottas. Yeah, double, Not, yeah. double DNFs. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think who else. Whether there was any sort of like little insights that I was capturing um, from from the weekend. Uh, I would also just like to say how mental Sunday was, as in celebrity wise. You can sum that up quickly because I've been well anxiously looking people. at the batcher levels of my laptop. For okay, let's talk about minutes. Tom Cruise because Tom yes. Cruise was a legend. As in, he came into the paddock and I'd seen various A, B, C's, D, E list celebrities come in, take a few selfies and then like wander off and get chaperoned into the hospitality as if to be like, okay, I'm done now. I'm done now. Tom Cruise came in and it was the biggest crowd of people. He stopped for every single photo. He said hi to every single person that he possibly could. He fist bumped people. He was in the paddock between the gate to the Mercedes hospitality. I would probably go as far as saying it was around 15 minutes it took. The crowd was amazing and he was an absolute legend to just be uh, engaging and interactive with everyone and not being, he is a super mega star and he was just an absolute hero. You hear it all the time and famously, especially at premieres, he just spends all the time meeting mm. fans uh, and I'd witnessed it before through, through previous uh, work life and he genuinely commands uh a reaction that, that very few other people in the mm. world can do. Yeah. And and he, I think, maintains it by the way that he interacts with people because the amount of people that were walking away from that gaggle of going, oh my God, I met Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like jumping with yeah. excitement or happy because they got the photo or they got a fist bump or they talked to him or they had an interaction with him. And he's so clever in that way because yeah. people genuinely feel a connection and an excitement around him. Like, oh my God, it's Tom Cruise. And yeah, I mean, it was amazing to see that just this huge group of people following him everywhere and screaming and shouting mm. and yeah ve very cool and a different level of celebrity for sure to uh storms here phillips Schofield, uh, <laughs> uh international football players whoever it might be when someone like that turns up you see what real mental celebrity yeah. is and mm. i think there's very few other people in the world that can capture that a brad pitt maybe a dicaprio maybe i don't think a justin bieber in that situation would no, have no i don't think um, so uh, but but there are a handful of international a-list film stars mm. that just make people go mental and, yeah. and, and, and he, <laughs> yeah. he was one of them yeah um <laughs> so anyway as i said i've been anxiously looking at my uh my charge level because I've, oh dear. i haven't set up my actual laptop charger <laughs> in the new studio yet uh but hopefully you've enjoyed our recap of the british grand prix it was mental as, as you say we didn't talk too much about our behind the scenes experience because <laughs> well the race was so crazy i felt like we had to go we more. watched it on tv we watched it on tv <laughs> but from in the paddock um, so yeah let, let us know your thoughts below the standout moments the drivers that we haven't talked about that you wanted us to talk about and why we're so wrong to just keep supporting hamilton and bashing the step <laughs> i think it was uh um, staying true to who we are uh yes i'm trying to think of the word i can't think of it so let's just wrap authentic it up. yeah okay <laughs> uh, if you want to follow paul he's at supercars of london on most social media platforms i'm at seen through glass on most social media platforms hopefully we'll be back with you in a week's time for the Ooh. austrian grand prix then we've also got the French Grand Prix. That one I am away for. Okay. Let's work on that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, subscribe now and turn on notifications so you don't miss any future After the Chicken Flag episodes, uh, but also, of course, the main Behind the Glass episodes. And I suppose apart from that, uh, we'll be back with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.